Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Potential of Assessments, the show that delves into creating, delivering, and reporting on fair and reliable assessments. In each episode, we chat with assessment luminaries, influencers, subject matter experts, and customers to discover and examine the latest in best practice guidance for all things assessment. I'm your host, John Kleeman, founder of Question Mark and EVP of Industry Relations and Business Development at Lonosity, the assessment technology company. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome Norihisa Wada, who is Executive Advisor of EduLab in Japan and also Director of the Japan Institute for Educational Measurement, which is a large exam board, Japanese exam board owned by EduLab. Prior to joining EduLab, uh, he was a senior executive at a company who produced many of the world-famous gaming titles for the Nintendo DS and Wii, including the Brain Fitness games. He's got a lot of experience with AI-driven voice recognition, has worked with Carnegie Mellon University in the US and Kyoto University in Japan, and he's also actively and materially involved in EdTech investment. Nori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John-san. It's it's my honor to be here uh, talking to you. Well, we're very, very, very pleased to ha- have you. So, look, the, the question I always start with everybody is, how did you get into assessment? Okay, so uh, my business intersection with the assessment industry first began, I think, 15 years ago, uh, back in 2007. At the time, I was an executive vice president for a company which was referred to as Nintendo's Education Lab. And I hope, Johnson, you know Nintendo. It's a famous gaming company. Of course, I'm sure all our listeners will have uh, played with. Go ahead. Great, great. And in this company, uh, we have created numerous consumer educational game titles and fitness games for Nintendo DS, 3DS, and Wii platform. And most of our titles sold over multi-million uh, copies worldwide. And... As you, as you may recall, this was way before the smartphone ages. So each of the copies cost probably average $49 a copy. So we were very successful in the business. And just, just to ring a bell, uh, Brain Fitness Games uh, for Nintendo 3DS was developed by my team. And uh, during this time, uh, I toured around the world. I was very fortunate. Uh, I had a chance to tour around the world as a keynote speaker and panelist on behalf of Nintendo in academic conferences, uh, mostly like conferences like uh, gamification and serious gaming. And then I was approached by ETS to exchange ideas on gamified learning. At the time, my mission statement for what I was doing was fun to learn. So I remember us discussing uh, fun to take tests and stealth assessment in extension to the terminology of fun to learn. And eventually we, meaning ETS and my previous company, came out with ETS official toy for Nintendo DS, which was released in the year 2009. this was my first encounter with the assessment industry. Uh, it was an exciting experience for me to learn rigorous academic research behind psychometrics, designing assessments and maintaining operational excellence. As a student in the past, I took many exams, but I didn't know that there was science behind it. And I was I was very much amused by the interdisciplinary 
interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary projects, meaning like game mechanics, design, and learning and measurement science kind of intersected. So basically, uh, through Nintendo DS project, I got to know the assessment industry. Very interesting. And I'm sure lots of us, I remember when my son had a Nintendo DS and I used to play with it uh, quite often and we had a lot of fun and I'm sure some learning learning as well. What was your background before working for Nintendo's game publisher? So uh, before working for Nintendo, uh, I was a strategic and business development officer for a voice recognition company. As you know, we see voice recognition technology everywhere today, but this was in 1998 when I joined this voice recognition startup. And my mission at the time was to draft strategy as a strategic officer for this state-of-the-art new core tech, which we won two consecutive years in the DARPA, US DARPA project, and create a market around it. And I first targeted uh, entertainment games industry and education industry as a market penetration strategy. The reason for this was uh, voice recognition was still new at the time. So I wanted to have many audiences try out our new technology through fun experience. And that's a a huge impactful way to approach consumers. And also why education industry? Because uh, there was a natural fit of using voice recognition technology in some of the English uh, learning practices, like repetition types of practice and using voice recognition to uh, measure that. And uh, eventually we were lucky that Toyota saw our potential and became one of the early lead investors. And I I was able to make this company public in 2005. And uh, that's what I've been doing. So when you move from sort of games development to assessment, what interested you in assessment? Why why make the jump? So uh, during the time I was working for voice recognition technology, I I was satisfied because uh, uh, we were, well, at least I was able to market the -the state-of-the-art technology. But uh, after making the company public, I kind of started thinking, yes, core tech advanced technology, very, very uh, exciting, but it's a part of the product. You do not own the end product. So you are like basically setting the enabling technology. And I wanted to kind of see and explore designing the end product and see the impact. So that's why I had a connection to uh, the gaming company. And uh, at that time, Nintendo had a code name for Nintendo DS development and they were thinking of creating a new console, which was the Nintendo DS, with double screen, stylus pen, which happened to be a good fit to educational games. And um, everybody knows today that Nintendo DS made a magic in terms of interconnecting education and games. So I think that you were you became very interested in, like you were saying, fun to learn and making it sort of fun to assess or the people were being assessed without realizing they were being assessed. Do you want to talk a little bit to that or explain this sort of stealth assessment kind of thing? Sure. During the years of Nintendo, uh, you know, developing educational games for Nintendo platform, 
since it became such a big trend, Ministry of Education one day came to us and said, we would like to fund a three-year project where you will get to use a public school environment and see the impact of games in normal classroom environment. And I obviously had a chance to interview teachers, district board of education, parents and students who participated in the project throughout Japan. And so we were all surprised by the power of games. And I wanted to scientifically find out what the secret sauce was that hooked everyone, making them happy and concentrated in certain types of learning. And I found out that successful games was full of science. So in this academic journey uh, was when I started teaching at Kyoto University Medical Center to postgraduate students. And uh, what I was teaching was a habit design. So I had the both experimental environment, which was funded by the government, the public schools, and the academic lab, which Kyoto University provided to sort my thesis and findings. And like you mentioned, the stealth assessment. One of the findings I had was that uh, one, measurement done right in the form of stealth, and two, the interactivity and the feedback design as means of intervention is very important in learning outcomes improvement. And, you know, I, I just want to touch where this connects to my experience of designing games is I have two uh, simple examples. For example, uh, I hope, Johnson, you have played Mario Kart before. Yes, I, I have. I have. Okay, good, great. So just to, for the sake of the audience, a simple explanation about Mario Kart is it's basically a racing game. And you get to play uh, multiplayer as well as single player. And when you first run in a Mario Kart course, you run. And of course, your lap time is not excellent. There's so many places you can improve because it's your first time seeing the course. But Nintendo was creative that they created what they call a ghost. Now, ghost comes out when you play single alone and second time. After the second time, there's always a ghost of a previous course that you've driven. And this is a stealth way of measuring your ability. And you get to compete against your ghost. Basically, it gives a good scaffolding for you to improve on top of that. And another uh, measurement, or should I say an assessment type of uh, tactics used in games is like example of card games. Let's say if you're playing four player card game, one is you and three is all run by computer AI. In a card game, one of the player, AI player, will start imitating how you play as a card game hand. And you start realizing 
that this AI run player is similar to you. And this is a way of kind of objectively showing you or making you realize the pros and cons of your tactic as well as your ability. And all this is based on stealth measurement. The user is just, the player is just having fun. They're, they don't know they're being measured. But with a good feedback and very interactive intervention, it becomes a very, very powerful tool for an improvement of players and learners. Very interesting. So, so essentially, you are maybe playing against yourself and learning, learning that way and making assessment like that. So tell me, Nori-san, about your current role, because I, I know you're uh, now working for EduLab and also uh, JIEM. So can you explain who those are and what you do there? Sure. So uh, first of all, uh, John-san, as you already know, I, I, I wear multiple hats. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I am currently an executive advisor for EduLab. And I was formerly a chief marketing officer and chief operating officer for EduLab, as well as director of JIEM. And JIEM is 100% owns subsidiary of EduLab. And JIEM stands for Japan Institute of Educational Measurement. Basically, EduLab is the parent holding company. Mm -hmm. And I am also an executive advisor for one of the largest shareholders of EduLab, which is the Zoushinkai Holdings. And they are the most famous distance learning company in Japan with a prestigious history. And um, JIEM, in a very simple way of uh, describing their functionality, JMEM is basically like the ETS, ACT, Cambridge Assessment of Japan, and College Entrance Examination Board kind of combined. JIEM does many national assessments funded by the Ministry of Education. So all of the national assessments conducted in Japan is done by JIEM. Uh, global assessments like PISA, PIAC, TIMS. Talis uh, are done through us in Japan. And uh, we provide all, all value chain of assessments from designing, conducting, analyzing, reporting, and also operating test centers. So that is our organization. And today, uh, John-san, uh, I think you already know as well, I have now moved to more public role. So this is the reason why I am an executive advisor to these organizations. And when I say public role, uh, I, I kind of conduct and participate as a steering committee member for Ministry of Education projects, uh, especially in the higher education digital transformation projects and also a Global Ethic Acceleration Committee, uh, Japan. So my interest before was trying to kind of influence and make an impact to the organization or my company 
But now my kind of、uh, mission statement has kind of turned into impacting、uh, the public and society. So,、uh, science of learning kind of mission statement h a v e evolved for me to science of system and system change mission statement. That sounds quite an interesting challenge. How do you change systems and society? Well,、uh, John san, it's a very good question.、Uh, I'm exploring that myself today.、Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll invite you back on the podcast in a couple of years and you can tell us how you did it. <laughs> or, or I might just、uh, run away from that because I have no results. But、um, yeah, so today I think maybe if I explain the current situation of Japan in terms of assessment,、uh, this will kind of help uh, uh, the audience understand. Uh, currently, uh, in Japan, like anywhere else around the world,、uh, COVID 19 had a huge impact on the government policy. And The digital infrastructure, when I say digital infrastructure, meaning high bandwidth, internet connectivity, and one PC per child, these infrastructure in Japan, in public education system, suffered from low penetration in the past. But today, because of the COVID 19, almost 100% penetration. So the government, uh, Policy today is how do they accelerate the use of digital contents that run on these infrastructures? And how do they keep the big data in terms of advanced LMS and learning portals? And they have also provided a free to use CBT platform. Provided by the Ministry of Education. So, when infrastructure is there, the contents are there. You can provide free assessment, and providing assessment platform is there. The government starts to want to kind of analyze these data. And, and As a system, as a system. And their interest today is the data standardization and how do they make that more interoperable so that they can drive better outcomes in a shorter time span so that they can be accountable for their education policy, basically the EBPM. And this is. This is something that is quite different from what I have been doing in the past.、Uh, Nintendo Education Games, Nintendo Console is not connected at that time, Nintendo DS. It was all in RAM, it, it was a standalone. <laughs> But today, it's, it's connected everywhere. So you have to think this environment as a system and how do we make this system? Relevant and effective. And of course, in the future, there's going to be a lot of changes new medias, new technology, you know, a lot of things will happen. But we need to kind of scientifically approach 
how do we make a system change in a shorter time and be effective? And we have to have science behind that. So that's the kind of vague notion that I have today. And uh, that's my uh, uh, number one interest. And what could the rest of the world learn from Japan? Ah, that's a very delicate question you ask for Japanese. Well, I mean, um, I'm sure there's a lot that is being done in Japan the rest of the world could learn and may not know about because of language. So any ideas or thoughts would, would be interesting. Sure, sure. So I was just joking. As a Japanese, I'm kind of shy to say. <laughs> Most Japanese will say it's a delicate question because I'm shy. I cannot answer kind of thing, I understand. Right? I understand. Yeah, okay. So, so what could the rest of the world learn from Japan? Well, I won't say learn, but I would like to praise uh, the Japanese government for their attitudes that we've seen, we are seeing today, um, after the uh, COVID-19 especially. Um, before COVID-19, the government funding for education was uh, distributed to projects that had track record and proven record because they were kind of worried about failures. But after the COVID-19 situation, they have changed these attitudes. One is that um, they started handing out funds and some of the uh, funds, I, I am a judge of selecting the projects, but they advocate that failure is not a problem. Since there is a system that they can retrieve data, if we are going to fail, fail fast and safe is a better way. So they do not avoid failure today. And that's a huge attitude change that I want to praise the government for. Yeah. And the second change, oh, sorry. And the second change is that the, the government are more inclusive today. They even let uh, student proposal projects to be funded from the government. So today, uh, they not only advocate all stakeholders to send in proposals, but even for the judges. Um, in the old days, judges who select these uh, projects were mostly professors. But now they invite parents, students to be one of the judges as well. So these are not being afraid of failures and also uh, becoming more inclusive. I think this is two, two points that I would like to praise the government. Yeah, no, that's very interesting because I think a lot of uh, governments and education bureaucracies are scared of failure. And also, I think we're seeing challenges all over the place about people trying to be more inclusive and, and working out how, how to be. Um, uh, in terms of inclusivity, any suggestions or advice on how uh, assessment organizations can be more inclusive? Sure, that is a very good question. Uh, today, uh, because the EBPM, uh, evidence-based policy management, is a huge concern for the government and interest for the government, assessment industry plays a huge role here. 
And there's a, many assessment organizations, not only in Japan, but worldwide, who can give enlightenment uh, to whatever the projects that the government initiates. And uh, the government are more willing to learn from not only Japanese organizations like us, but worldwide as well. And it also sounds like uh, Japan is trying to follow the evidence and follow the science. I suspect that's something that other organizations are also trying to do, but maybe not always succeeding. Mm -hmm. So I think they have more interest in science of system and science of system change today. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And maybe we'll have you back, like we said, to see how, how that's going. So let's move <laughs> on to a final subject area, the future of assessment. Will tests and exams be the same in five, 10 years' time? How do you see things changing? So I think future is likely not tests and exams as we know them, but people being assessed or measured continuously anywhere and everywhere. I have seen new technology, AI voice recognition, and new media like Nintendo DS impact learning and measurement in my past career. So I expect the same will always happen in an even shorter cycle in the future. So in this sense, I am curious to see how new media like Metaverse and new technology XR, AR, VR will impact assessment. So that maybe people can be in the metaverse and do things in the metaverse or with virtual reality and be assessed without maybe knowing about it? Right. That is exactly right. So, uh, like I mentioned, uh, stealth measurement, stealth assessment. So, you know, whether will we be able to utilize these new technology and media in a fair, valid, and interconnected way and improve our current system? And these are the projects which I like to kind of explore in the near future. And circling back to metaphor of Mario Kart that I used, I guess my ultimate goal is to create a Mario Kart of learning, assessment, and navigation system where every stakeholder, or should I say players, <laughs> is improving. Yeah, <laughs> players is improving personally. And also, while contributing to the improvement of the system, change, and enjoying such process, having fun in the process. That's a very interesting vision that we might all be players rather than test takers and uh, just be assessed as we go. Thank you, Norisan. Thank you. And thank you, our audience as well, for listening with us today. We really appreciate your support. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, why not follow us through your favorite listening platform? And also, please reach out to me directly at johnakweshma.com with any questions, comments, or if you'd like to keep the conversation going. You can also visit the Question Mark website at questionmark.com or, or the Lonosti website at lonosti.com to register for our best practice webinars and see other resources. Thanks again, and please tune in for another exciting podcast discussion we'll be releasing shortly.